0: John's revelation. This is after he sees a new heaven and a new earth descending. This time the vision of this idealized society is not a garden. This time it's a city. And in this moment, John hears a voice of one seated on a throne. You see, the home of God is among human beings, and he will live with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I'm making everything new. Way back in 2004, actor and sometime director Mel Gibson released the passion I just want to get a read on the room. Who saw that film back when it was uh, in circulation? Okay. Okay. The film was enmeshed in a variety of controversies, Mel Gibson's brash personality chief among them. But it was his father's conservative Catholicism, and by extension, the assumption of his own. And there were some suspicions of maybe some anti-semitism that were connected to that very conservative sect that they practiced in Catholicism. And so it didn't help them that here was a cinematic portrayal of Jesus' crucifixion that presents the Jewish religious authorities as the clear villains, along with criticism that in that film, Gibson may have portrayed Jesus' beatings as being far worse than they actually were. Do you remember these controversies about the film? The movie, let's just say, had some issues connected to it. I went into the movie with all of that in mind, but when I see a film, I like to give myself to the film. I like to trust the director and the writers, as a good viewer does, and I had every intention of keeping all those things running in the background. But there was a portion in the film Where a broken and battered Jesus Who was walking the Via Dolorosa The way of the cross, the way of suffering It's that distance between Pilate's uh, residence To that point just outside of Jerusalem That's a hill that looks like a skull Called Golgotha And Jesus is making that trek At one point, Jesus is approaching the place Along that way where his mother is standing in the crowd. And it shows her not wanting to see what Jesus is going through. But she can't not look. She must look at her son. And it's in that moment that she looks that Jesus falls down. He stumbles. And this is where Gibson takes some liberty with the story. Mary, seeing him fall, flashes back in her memory And she sees uh, toddler Jesus, young Jesus, age four or five, trip and fall, and instinctually, in her memory, she rushes to Jesus, the child. She helps him up, she comforts him, she says, I'm here. So she is then pulled from that memory back to the present, and in parallel imagery, she rushes to Jesus, saying the same thing to him in that moment, as in her memory here. Well, I just fell apart in the film. And I think one of the reasons was that my son at the time, Karen and I, our son was uh, three or four, and there have been lots of moments where we had rushed to him to pick him up as he cried and saying to him, I'm here. But it didn't help that in that moment, Jesus, who is at his most vulnerable, and his most weak, takes her face in his hands and speaks these words from John's vision. You see, Mother, I am making all things new. I think partly also why I was stirred in that moment was that Jesus, in the place where he is the most weak, in that moment, feels the need to take care of his mom to help her understand in some way that she can connect to immediately why he is going through this suffering. He was taking care of her. He let let her know that the healing that the world would need would be provided from his sacrifice. This was an exchange of their love one for the other. Jesus was a He was a change agent. He was a reformer. And as we read through his life and his teachings, we see that this was a delicate dance for him. He would often, when he was teaching, he would say, you have heard it said, but but I say to you. You tell me I'm wrong, but that's that's the language of, of shifting and evolving and changing. His disciples, his students, had one very particular understanding of what this change that he would bring would be, they thought for sure this would be empire building and this would be power for the select few. But eventually, over a long and frustratingly difficult process, his disciples even began to understand it was not going to be that at all. It was going to be the exact opposite. So in this reading today from the book of Acts, Peter, student of Jesus, a lifetime Jewish man, comes down from Cornelius' roof, who is a non-Jewish person, and he tells all of his Jewish friends in the room that he just had a vision from God. It's in that vision that God tells him that he and those who are his friends no longer are required to observe 1500 years of tradition now can you all just stop for a moment and think about a tradition that has been in place for 1500 years how much of a shock that would have been to those who heard what Peter said kosher food laws were a part of what made Jewish people distinct it made them special And it had been an essential, that means non-negotiable, part of their spirituality, their identity. There was a myriad of rituals and practices that made it clear that you were in, you were in the tribe of God. Or whether you were out of God's tribe. And Peter was telling them that God, at least for this thing, that this was no longer necessary. I want to say to you, if there was any group of people who ought to to understand this this tension and change, it should be Episcopalians. (laughs) I mean, we are a people immersed, dare I say defined, by tradition. Did you know that if you want to change some aspect of our liturgy, officially change it, not sneak it in, but change it, It takes three consecutive majority votes in both the House of Deputies, which is made up of priests and lay people, and also the House of Bishops. Three consecutive votes. And this convention, which meets this summer, only meets every three years. So people do the math. If you wanna change something, how many years does it take? Nine years to change it. Nine years. That's what the kids call a slow roll. (laughs) But here's the thing the Episcopal Church is also simultaneously a very progressive church in our thinking and in our practice. We have a willingness, I would say, even an eagerness, to think through how we can evolve, how we should evolve, how God wants us to evolve and change and adapt to be as broad and as accepting as we possibly can. Some would call these two things dissonant, mutually exclusive. Our form doesn't match our function, sometimes. But what I've wondered in my years in our church is if there isn't some connection between these two dissonant things that the rigidity in our liturgy and our structure, it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel safe to to take certain kinds of other risks in our communal life. I mean, sure, sometimes it would be nice if they're synced up when it feels like they aren't, but maybe it's this interplay between the two impulses, the ancient and the future, that actually helps each to the other to thrive and to be vibrant, like a spiritual communal version of Abraham Lincoln's team of rivals. Today, we are celebrating graduates. The lion's share of them are high school graduates, a few of our folks graduating from college and graduate school. One of the dynamics I've always cherished for students that I work with is that they are living in a a sea soup, a a notion of the now and the not yet. Life is primarily defined by what lies beyond the next corner, around the next bend, what could be. I've often referred to this as the drug of possibility. In those moments when your life feels like it isn't working for you, there's always this notion that the life you're actually living as a high school or college student isn't really your life yet. That life is yet to come. And so you can be invigorated in those difficult moments by the hope of possibility. It can also be part of what adults struggle with when we finally realize that we've settled into mostly a now and that not yet becomes harder to maneuver. But that's a different sermon. Jesus came to make all things new. Whether you're a graduate, or otherwise. Be filled with the buzz of the possibility of change and your ability to participate in its coming forth. Jesus invites us into his work of reform and change. We get to build the city with him. As he says, Behold, I make everything new.